Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I am really excited today. We have a treat. Probably about four episodes ago, I had an attorney on who mentioned marital mediation, and she got me going on the subject and told me to read this book by Max Rivers. And I started it. I'm not done. I actually had my first marital mediation session. And I'm so thankful that today I have the author of the book, Loving Conflict, Max Rivers here with me today. So welcome, Max. I just can't wait to hear all the information about You know, I mean, I feel like marital mediation or divorce mediation, this podcast is going to help you whether you're going through a divorce or whether you're staying married. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. And Max, can you kind of, I'd like to start out with my guest's authentic story as to why they started, why did you start doing marital mediation? Yeah. So I was a high tech medical robotics programmer until I was 50 and I was still single. And I decided I wanted to change two things. I wanted not to be single. And I was in the medical field to help people, but it felt too distant. I wanted to help people directly. So I did some research and discovered mediation as a possible next career. And I had just met a woman who is now my wife, Elise. And she had been a lawyer, but she was in acupuncture school because her lawyering didn't meet her need to help people. And we were long distance. So she used to come to me on the weekends from Boston to Western Mass. And I said, would you mind if our next three dates, we took a mediation training instead of what we usually do? And she said, no, that sounds great. So we took a the small claims court mediation training. It was 20 hours, two weekends and a Tuesday night. And it was amazing what they taught us about how to resolve conflict. And then we apprenticed for two years in small claims court. But the most amazing thing was it really affected her and my communication. You know, I mean, we were dating, so we weren't fighting much, but just the level of understanding that we could both, we could have win-win solutions, like really affected the way that we were talking to each other. So much so that we started doing what we called teaching points in our cases in small claims court. So we would start, we would mediate, because everybody in small claims court knows each other pretty much. (laughs) It's really relationship Mm -hmm. counseling, as far as I'm concerned. And when we would finish the mediation, we would say, so here's what we just did to teach them the skills, because we wanted to teach them to fish instead of giving them the fish. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't working very well because the mediation we learned, you need an impartial third party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had two mediators in our relationship, but most people don't have any. Right. We, 
we were bemoaning that in the mediation lunchroom. And one of them said, you know, you want to teach them NVC, nonviolent communication. We hadn't heard about that before, but as is the magic of my life, one of my neighbors started teaching an NVC class in her home. We read through Marshall Rosenberg's book, uh, NVC, something, uh, Lesson for Life. And sure enough, it was about the people in the conflict, how they could talk to each other. And so we started to incorporate that in our small claims. And the judge kept calling us in and saying, wait, this isn't couples counseling. This is small claims court. But we had the best result of anyone. And so whenever it involved anyone who knew each other, we ended up with that case. And so we had these two years to just really work this process out. And we decided, you know, we really want to give this to couples. And so we created two rivers, Elise Rivers and Max Rivers, two rivers mediation. There wasn't any such thing as marriage mediation then. There was only divorce mediation. But like, it seemed to me, you don't call the fire department after your building burns down. You call it as soon as the fire starts. So that's what marriage mediation seemed to me to be. Call the fire department before the fire gets so bad it destroys your home and family. Well, and it's so interesting to me because I have been married for 30 years and I am totally devoted to divorce mediation. And I think that it is the skills that I have learned and kind of, you know, taught my husband that have really helped us. And I also have noticed that sometimes when I'm working with divorcing clients, we realize that once we get the issue settled, maybe they don't need to divorce. But even if they do, this kind of communication is so important, especially when kids are involved, I believe. So I just feel like it's very related, divorce mediation and marital mediation, and that they're both kind of have a similar string going through them. So let I and I am just hearing about marital mediation, and it's such a good fit for me. How long have you been doing marital mediation? 20 years. Oh my gosh, how have I not heard about it? Yeah, well, when I first started, people would say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a marriage mediator. And they'd say, oh, you're a therapist. They'd say, no, I'm a marriage mediator. And they'd say, oh, you're a divorce mediator. They'd say, no, I'm a marriage mediator. Now they don't (laughs) do that anymore because there now are enough people who know about it Mm -hmm. that people are referring and divorce mediators are referring couples to me um, with people who have... Don't have this, just don't have the skills to deal with the conflict in their relationship, but really want the relationship to continue. And the vast majority of my clients, the first thing they say is, if this doesn't work, we're getting divorced. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about that too. They both need to be dedicated to doing it. It can't really just be one per, you know, and it, isn't that true that they both have to be dedicated to wanting to work through a marital mediation. It can't just be one party. Well, that certainly makes it easier, but my process is about teaching couples how to identify what it is they need that they're not getting, how to communicate that in a way that sounds like they're inviting their partner into the beauty of their desires instead of telling their partner what they're doing wrong and listening to their partner's needs with excited curiosity so that both sets of needs are on the table. And then comes the mediation. So that's the NBC part. And then comes the mediation part. So we've got these two different sets of needs. How do we negotiate win-win solutions? 
And so when I get one person calling me up saying, my husband won't do this with me, but I really want to save the marriage, I say to them, go to them and say, listen, you met this guy, Max, and he explained to you that you don't understand your partner's needs. And if you did, you could meet them better and tell him that Max said if he would come or she would come into the session, he would be able to understand your needs better. And bam, there they are, both of them. And then I guarantee my first session. You have to make the bar very low for marriage mediation. So my guarantee is at the end of the first session, if either of you feel like this wasn't of value or is not the right process to fix your marriage, there's no charge. And in 20 years, I've had one couple not pay me. That's amazing. That's amazing. So is this called your teamwork method? Yes. And then are there six sessions that they go yes, through? Yes, a maximum of six sessions because I'm not actually mediating their differences. I'm teaching them the skills so they can mediate their differences. So in six sessions, actually with my book now, it usually only takes me a maximum of four because I don't have to say everything that's in the book. Right. And we do use their issues as examples for how to do the process. But it, people who are married to each other for 30 years, new issues are going to be coming up all the time. And rather than, than them having to keep coming to me every time an issue comes up, I want them to know how to do this. I mean, my mediation training was 20 hours. Right. I don't have to teach them 20 hours. Within nine hours, I can teach a couple how to mediate their own marriage, especially using the language of NBC as the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great process. It's so important. And, you know, in my situation, I told you, I just had my first one. It was kind of, I think they had maybe tried therapy and the husband was not going to do it. And I had them both on for a consult for a divorce mediation. And I got chills because they were both saying, we don't want to get divorced. And they've been married a long time. So I said, Hey, do you want to, you know, this is my first one. I'll do it half price. And actually, I've just had one session with them, but just kind of explain that I got to what their needs were in that first session with them. I had them kind of come up with it before, but we didn't really focus on looking in the rear view mirror. We would bring it up to understand what the issue was, but then I kept asking them moving forward. And I think that's what you're doing. Is that correct? Like, I kind of think of therapy as, you're looking back at how things have been. And this is more like a kind of a coaching or moving forward, making your marriage stronger. Would you say that's true? I would say that what I'm getting to is the root of each of the issues. So the toothpaste fight and the toilet seat fight and right. the, the living room fight, that's all the same fight. That's the fight for teamwork, wanting cooperation and support. So. I do cooperation and support, and we invite that into their relationship and their vocabulary. And instead of doing each of those separate fights, I see those as the leaves of the tree, and I'm working at the root of the tree. And so with each example they bring in, I'm not listening to the content of the story. I'm listening to the needs that they're trying to communicate, but don't understand. And they have a way to communicate about those needs and an understanding of what those needs mean to each other. Because cleanliness 
means something different to one of them than it does to the other. So it's not enough to just say, you're not clean enough. Well, they are clean enough. They're clean enough for them. They're right. just not clean enough for you. Right. And so coming to really understand what each of these needs mean to each other and how, and then working out, okay, so how do we do this together? Because my basic tenant is relationship is about difference. Mm-hmm. And the difference is not going away. The difference is what you need. You know, there was a Seinfeld episode where he goes out on a date with a woman and she orders cold cereal in a restaurant for dinner. And he's the only one in the world that does that. And the (laughs) next morning he's talking to his friend, George, and he said, I finally found what I'm looking for. It's me, but it's not him. And by the end of the week, they don't even bother breaking up. They're so bored with each other. You don't need you. You need something different. You need a particular difference. And what we're attracted to, I believe, is someone who has that particular difference. They're good at getting the needs met that we're not good at getting met. Right. Great when during the infatuation stage, when you're giving freely of each other and getting the benefit of your difference. Then when you go into the second stage, which is the difference stage, where you go, oh, wow, this is different. If you don't do it as the difference stage, you do it as the conflict stage. And most couples don't survive that. And so my job is to point out their differences and mediate how they can accept, not just tolerate, but get the benefit of this difference. So for instance, in my marriage, I'm a function guy and my wife is a form person. She loves beauty and I like things to work. For the first two years of our relationship, we fought over which of the two of those is the important one, which is what most couples do. And after we learn these skills, we went, wait, why do you use it one? It's not either or, it's both and, right? That's the watchword of mediation. It's both and. And so now we live in a hundred year old house with incredible beauty and everything in it works. That's both. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I love that. That's coming up with creative solutions, right? That works. It allows for so much creativity. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Now let me ask you. So when you were working with people and say they're name calling or blaming, communicating that way, how do you kind of help them see through that? Yeah. So that's violent communication. Okay. And NVC, nonviolent communication has a really clear set of skills about that. So NVC says that judgments are that moral judgments, saying that the other person is bad or wrong is the source of all violence, first of all, and conflict. But secondly, it's actually the speaker asking for what they deeply desire in a way that their partner can't tell what they desire because the form is so violent. Right. All the partner hears is an attack. Right. And so what I do right away, as soon as anybody blames or judges, is I say, okay, so that was a judgment, which is a tragic expression of your own unmet needs. Tragic because if you express it that way, you won't get your needs met. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what the need is and let's learn the skill for how you can ask for that in a way that your partner feels like they're being invited in to the beauty of your needs and desires instead of being bad or wrong. Right. And I mean, it sounds like you're basically you're coaching your clients on communication. I mean, that must be just so useful. That's right. How to talk 
first of all, how to identify your needs, which is not a simple thing in a capitalist society where they prefer you don't know what you need. So you have to keep buying stuff, thinking it's going to satisfy your needs. So the first piece is learning what it is that you're needing. The second piece is how do you communicate it in a way that sounds like you're sharing deeply what I call what your heart desires, which is another name for needs, mm-hmm. instead of judging them. The third skill is how do you listen to your partner's needs, which are different than yours, without judging and in fact accepting and loving that difference. And then the fourth piece is mediation. How do you both get your needs met simultaneously? Oh, I just wrote that all down. I'm going to use that again and again. Yeah. It's good. Learning what you need. How do you communicate it? How do you listen to your partner without judging? And then the mediation. Exactly. And you know, when I did this process, like I said, it was my first time. I hadn't met with you yet. And I asked them to write down instead of their needs, what their values were. Mm -hmm. But essentially, we kind of came to the same conclusions because then I read your book. (laughs) I read that chapter about needs. So I think I kind of helped them through it. So can I ask how you handle when people start throwing around like money and support or revenge? How do you work through that? Again, is that a violent way to communicate? Well, the other wonderful thing that NBC does is it separates needs from strategies. Okay. So needs don't refer to other people and they don't refer to actions. So like I have a need for nourishment. That doesn't refer to anybody else. Like my wife might have just had a 12 course meal and I may have not eaten in 12 hours. So our needs are different, but there's no conflict there because my hunger doesn't refer to her and her being filled doesn't refer to me. The next level is so, okay, so how are we going to act on this? What action are we going to take? And in NBC, we call those the strategies and strategies only exist to meet needs. So things like revenge and money and those kinds of things, those are strategies. And I don't do strategy because if you try to figure out what strategy to use without knowing what the needs are that you're trying to satisfy, it's like throwing a dart at a wall without knowing where the dartboard is. You could throw a perfectly good throw, but if it's to the wrong wall, it's not going to satisfy anything. So you kind of need to find the need behind that strategy. Is that what you're saying? Well, so often people confuse their needs and strategies, although they're practically opposite. Needs are very flexible and they only refer to yourself. Strategies are very digital. Do you want to go out for pizza? There's only a yes or no answer. Am I hungry? There's a million things that can satisfy my need for nourishment. So by switching from strategy, which is digital, yes or no, to needs, which are flexible, which is great currency for negotiating, I've already gotten them out of the loggerheads that they were caught in. But the other thing that you need to understand in relationship, and it's amazing to me that this isn't known, it seems like an advanced skill, is that in relations, what relationship means is your needs are satisfied in relation to your partner getting their needs met. If one person gets their needs met and the other person doesn't, that's not a situation that will stand. So in order to construct strategies in relationship, strategies need to be co-created. 
It turns out that even if you come up with a strategy that when you co-create it is the same one, it's not as, as acceptable as one that you involve your partner in the process of co-creation with. So, you know, a lot of good problem solvers go, well, I know the answer to this is this. Well, that's your answer. And it met your need as a single person. It doesn't even meet your need as a married person, but it certainly doesn't meet your partner's need to be, it doesn't meet their need to just not be involved right. in the creation of the strategy. But remember, you married somebody who's different than you. And it's very likely that the strategies that they pick are going to be really different. Even if they have the same need, it's going to be really different than the strategies that you've picked. And in fact, the most violent fights that couples have are ones where they're trying to satisfy the same need, but they are picking their family of origin or their stick, what I call sticky strategies, the ones that are socially acceptable or the ones they used when they were single or the ones their family used. I can pretty much guarantee you that the strategies you're going to co-create are going to look different than the ones that you used when you were single. Mm -hmm. And they're probably better because remember, this person is different than you and they know more about things you don't know about. And so it's the reason we do relationships. It's the reason we do teams now and work and stuff. And it's the reason we have meetings. It's the reason we have countries and government it's because it works better to have multiple inputs from different perspectives because you cover more needs with more nuance than if you just use the black and white one that you use when you were single. And people who use their single strategies end up as roommates. You know, and as you're talking about this and I think about co-creating, I just can't state enough how important it is to co-create your parenting plan when you have kids. Absolutely. I mean, whether you're married or getting divorced, you've got to do that together because now you're still in relationship. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Kids are just a huge part of why I do what I do. Yeah. You know. So from a needs-based perspective, fathering, which is not necessarily the male parent, and mothering, which is not necessarily the female parent, focus on two different sets of needs. Mothering focuses on the child's internal sense of well-being and security. And fathering focuses on the external need of interacting with the world successfully and taking risk. Can you hear how those are really different sets of needs? So when parents have co-parenting fights, they're generally fighting the the mothering is saying you're not taking the safety of our child you're taking risks with our child well yeah that's what the what fathering is doing it's teaching about risks good fathering doesn't put them too far but fathering does look at different sets of needs and fathers say you're coddling the kids i hear this like a thousand times yeah. well they're not they're mothering the kids and if it's good mothering it is nurturing a different part than the father is. So the co-created strategies ideally would, would involve both parts because the children need both to be mothered and to be fathered. And divorce is really a misnomer as far as I'm concerned, if there's a child involved or even a business involved or anything that's going to continue on past the end of the relationship. 
it's really a change of form. Yes. And it's not a change of form that's going to make it things simpler or easier. Right. It makes it harder and more complicated. So if you're planning on solving your marital problems by divorcing, guess again. <laughs> right. Plus, I believe that it's our needs, particularly what I call our forbidden needs, which are the ones we really don't understand about ourselves, which pick our partners. Mm -hmm. So first marriages end an average of seven and a half years. Second marriages end in half that time. And third marriages end in half that time. Really? And the reason for that, I believe, from a need-based perspective is you keep picking the same person. Right. Because you need that difference. So they look a little different each time. And during the infatuation period, when you're getting the benefit of that difference, it feels great. But it is hard to work across difference in a culture where we don't know how to do difference. Yeah. Look at what's going on in the political field right now. We, this culture doesn't teach people how to get the benefit of difference. So marriage is a counter-cultural phenomenon at this right. point. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And that is so interesting. That's a very interesting take on it. Yeah. And now, Max, we're kind of like heading towards the end of my episode. And at this time, I always have my saddle up segment where I ask my guests to give the listeners something that they can do right now, a step to make their lives better. Yeah. So since judgments are the source of all violence and they're so prevalent when you're living with somebody who's different than you, I have two suggestions. The first one is instead of actually judging the person, like saying them to them, you're such a slob, add this little stem onto the beginning. I know this is a judgment and so not true about you, but I keep telling myself that you're a slob. It takes all the sting out of it. It creates self-responsibility. It gives you the opportunity now to start talking about that difference without the slap at the beginning. And that the second step is the, the need behind the judgment is almost always the opposite of the content of the judgment. So if my judgment is that you're a slob, what's going on is my need for beauty and order is not getting met. And what I need to do is explore what that need is so that I can communicate it, not as a judgment of my partner, but as a need of my own. That's so helpful. And I love that first point because I thought in a way, that's such a great way to word it because sometimes I just want to get it off my chest and it's kind of a nicer way to do it. So you get heard, but you do it a little bit. So that's a huge, huge teaching moment for me. So Max, how can people find you if they're wanting to do marital mediation? Yeah. Well, maxrivers.net okay. is my website and they can click on the appointment and make a guaranteed first appointment if they want to. My book is available in paperback and Kindle and audio book form. And there are videos on my website if you want to watch me teaching and uh, working with some clients in order to get a sense of what this process looks like. Yeah. And I do highly recommend your book. It was very helpful to me in my work and my relationship. So I am just so thankful you were here and all this information is going to be in the show notes so people can find you. 
Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.